0: Welcome to Upholding Matters. I'm your host David Paul. Today is December seventh, a date that will live in infamy. Now everyone knows that's Pearl Harbor Day. And if you don't, you should look that up. It was a really a turning point in America and most people don't go back. Far enough to remember, I mean, let's face it, um, we buried George H.W. Bush this week, today, and he was born in 1927. So he went through the Depression and then enlisted when he was 18 in the outbreak of World War II and got shot down before he was 20, fortunately rescued. But he came up through the times that things were much different than they were today. You know, a lot of houses didn't have electricity, telephones. Um, And you think about that, what do you do at night? You know, Abe Lincoln read books by candlelight, I remember that. But now, back in the 30s, you might have had to do the same thing. And yet, George H.W. Bush was a patriot, and he loved America at his core. And I think that's something that I relate to. You have to, well, you don't have to, but you should enjoy feeling the connection to all that this country has been. And now, yeah, maybe bad things have happened, and I'm still in 1491, the book I'm reading, and that was way back before there was an America, so it's hard to lay the blame on us for that. And yet the New World was a... A really, well, only until very recently did people even understand scientifically that there was a great civilization in South America. And certainly Central America and North America, there were diverse groups of people and it's like the Lord of the Rings trilogy or something there. There must be... A thousand great stories of peoples that grew up and developed their own individual ways. And they certainly did, down in the rainforest, manicure the land. They've created places where really millions of people could be sustained. And we had no idea about that. And I talk about that because I had a little chance tonight. I was early for a meeting I went to, a scoping meeting. And I went mainly out of curiosity. And they actually give you 20 bucks. I mean, uh, I'm not sure that that would have made a difference either way to me. But, you know, is a scoping group paid for by the county? to decide how they're going to handle the legalization of marijuana. And I guess money's available, so they just throw it at it. But this was kind of like some of the things that I really don't like. But I did have a chance because I have to get places early and to sit and read. And then I went in and um, I think some of the questions were a little slanted. In other words, the person asks, what would be the upside or the advantage and and also the downside of having a medical or even legal marijuana shop, they don't call them dispensaries, I forget, a marijuana store in your neighborhood. And so... You know, I live in a housing track. There's no storefronts, and it really wouldn't affect me. There'd be nowhere to do that quite a distance from my house. However, a liquor store or a rowdy bar, they could be just as close. But that's the nice thing about a neighborhood like this. There isn't commercial stuff. It's just homes and parks. And, well, we're a little lacking in parks, but it's homes. So, but I know people live in urban settings, even in this small city. And certainly down in L.A., it's L.A. County. You know, we're up here in the northern end and kind of forgotten. But there's a lot of land that the county of L.A. is responsible for. And so they ask the questions, well, what effect would that have? And it wouldn't have any. There's not going to be one. But... I wonder sometimes, you know. I did ask questions of the people that were putting it on about, well, one woman volunteered her background. She was in marketing. And so I did ask some questions about that and polling and how that's closely related and opinion forming. And, and I guess the thing that bugs me about it the most, you know, when you're asked for your opinion like it matters, and it just seems like a box they have to check. Like sometimes you go to public meetings, there's a public hearing, and most of the time there's been a decision. You know, you're not going to have people get up and speak so powerfully against or for something that it's going to change the day. It can. It, it does. I've seen it. But generally speaking, these things are pretty pre-assigned, So, them asking us what we think, I would like to know what they think. I would like to know why they think they have to ask us what we think when they don't really care. It's just something that's obligatory. And, you know, you can always learn something from any situation. And I did. And now, another thing... I haven't moved, so I, I know I still live in the same county. And in the beginning of this year, there was another meeting of people asking people their opinion, trying to get community input pretty much about this very thing. And, you know, it's they don't know, one group doesn't know that the other group existed or where the findings are it was like the young lady who was telling me about marketing and gathering information and people hold that tight. They don't just share it. That's their. That's what they're making, farming, mining, producing, and it's proprietary and guarded and, you know, seems funny to take in a bunch of good information and not share it. So I'm still digesting the meeting, but I did relax tonight and watch Letterman, and I jokingly say that it's it's Stephen Colbert and, and The Late Show and still in the same beautiful theater, and uh, he had Bernie Sanders on tonight. Bernie was inspiring. He's got a book, and he's, you know, pretty much the same stuff, almost a stump speech about what we have to do, but... Bernie's so good at delivering that now that it sounds brand new. You know, let people go to school, unburdened from debt, repair our infrastructure, get Medicare for all, some version where everybody has health care, uh, preserve a woman's right to choose. All these things that are very important to me and to everybody else, you know, including saving the environment getting people to understand that there's a very small window of opportunity for humans to make great steps to repair the damage. And really, if we were able to get off the fossil fuels and get sustainable renewable energy and fix problems, you know, I'm always hopeful that something will come along that's a good solution to fix something that we didn't know about and if we have a chance to let the future happen I think we can tackle a lot of these problems and continue to create an ever better world but people have to wake up and believe that climate change is is even real and I like that we'll talk about this in the next segment the veneer is being stripped away of the Crazy things that Donald Trump is up to, and what's going on, and the Mueller investigation. I just cheered last time the center is held, is holding, and there'll be a big drop tomorrow of more information about what he's doing with his dealings with Paul Manafort and Cohen, the Trump attorney, and. We also saw the Mike Flynn papers this week, and that was very interesting. A lot of redactions, a lot of speculation on what's happening, but it seems like Robert Mueller is going to be able to go along, and we're going to see in just a few hours what that will be, and we'll dig into that in our second half. Are you ready for some politics? Let's talk national politics or the State of the Union. Wow. Wow. How many times have you heard me say that this is like nothing I've ever seen before? In my lifetime, although I haven't been paying attention to everything, I don't think there's ever been a time like this. Certainly, unless I miss something dramatic. This is the craziest time any of us has ever seen. And you know, sometimes something crazy can make a crazy day better. Um, You've been following, I hope, the story of my new dog, Stephen. Stephen's a chewer, and he had a little accident the other day. He got a hold of some Um, moisturizing cream in a squirty bottle plastic thing and he uh, well he ate it you know not the plastic but it seems like he sucked all the juice out well anyway he had a little problem this morning this was a couple days ago it's taken a while and he had some terrible smells and then today he couldn't quite hold it in and you know, it just, we handled it. par for the course. He's a great dog. It's not his fault. He couldn't help it. He's like a baby. And, you know, amidst all the other things, watching the incredible coverage today of the three reports being dropped, it was really quite a day. So, and really, I guess what we're talking about is the week because we've seen a dramatic plunge in the stock market and Donald Trump in Argentina saying he had a deal on tariffs with uh, the chairman of China. And uh, it turns out that markets rallied on the news. And then, of course, it was all just fantasy. It's something he dreamed up. It was never real. It was just what he wanted to happen. And It's, you know, causing a problem in the stock market. And it's really, it shows that that this person can be dangerous to our country in so, so many ways. So the week was viewed in light of that unfolding and some of this other stuff, the election still being litigated and there has been moves in, Wisconsin and Michigan to take back power because the Republicans lost. And before they go out of business, they're going to uh, change the law and limit the incoming people's power, the governors and the attorney generals of the state. And, I mean, they're not passing it on. It's it's amazing when you think of it. It defies our whole political transition. George Washington set that by stepping down and the king of England I guess that was King George V of England. He said that if Washington gave up power surrendered peacefully and passed it on he'd be the greatest leader that ever lived. paraphrasing and in a way he was right twice. George Washington was a phenomenal moral figure who strove to lead through example. And it was precisely peacefully surrendering that power that made him a great man and our nation great. So, these outgoing legislators in Wisconsin and Michigan to do that, it's just, it defies the tradition of our country. And then, of course, in North Carolina, there's outright fraud. There's a refusal of a bipartisan election commission, 12 people of both parties, and they won't certify the election because the fraud is so blatant. I mean, that's part of what they're talking about was wrong with Michael Cohen today, his corrupt nature and his seeming ability to do anything and think he'll get away with it. So let me weave in and out with some facts and some stories about this week and particularly today. Uh, I love TV. The Southern District of New York is a, a um, district that handles and prosecutes all that um, area's judicial business, all the lawsuits, all the trials, all the prosecutions, the district attorney and they, you know, they're joked about because they're a sovereign district of New York because they hold themselves in such high esteem. You know, there's a lot of competition between the branches and even in the Justice Department, but that's good. You know, it's good to have that competition, and they do consider themselves uh, upholders of the law. And the neatest part about it, if it's neat, is that this is the place that prosecutes the most organized crime cases, because that's where the mob is. So here in this federal court district in New York, there were um, sentencing motions filed in the case of Cohen and Manafort, and... One, the special counsel put in about Cohen, and the other, the Southern District put in. And Cohen cooperated with the Southern District a little less, and they want to be harsher on him. And there's all sorts of stuff about why this is. But this is basically the United States government, the federal government making a case against Michael Cohen, basically. Outlining that he deserves this as a sentence because, and there's you know they colluded with the Russians. He identifies Trump, so basically the government is prosecuting the president, and it's it's really hard to figure out what is going to happen. The other with the Manafort, now he didn't cooperate, and he got caught lying, and they like let him go because he's not a good witness, but. Between Tuesday and the Michael Flynn stuff and the Michael Cohen stuff today, and everything that the people are saying, it it just seems like this is an actual rounding of the corner into the home stretch. And with all the evidence that Robert Mueller must have, there's redactions, and then there's vagueness in some of this stuff that just you don't know exactly what he's got. And uh, there's a new attorney general, uh, Barr. He is a guy that was uh, George H.W. Bush's attorney general at one time. So he's been around and he's back and he has a record and at least he's qualified in that sense. Not like this Matthew Whitaker guy that It's hard to get to the bottom, but he may have had his wings clipped by process. Again, that saves us. So now there's this new guy. And, well, we'll see. Because what they say about Trump and how he's preparing for the Mueller report to come out, he just doesn't have anything. They claim they would do something. And he's got a Rudy Giuliani a noun and a verb, and 9-11, Rudy Giuliani. Now, I'm not sure that Rudy made it to the funeral of George H.W. Bush, but I know all former living presidents did, and Donald Trump, and what an interesting interaction uh, with these people. It's, it's fun to watch in a way, and if you like craziness. But the thing that, and if you can see any of this tape, I encourage you to do it because it's pretty interesting. Uh, Dan Quayle, he's sitting in the second row behind the presidents. And while they're jostling around, if you're getting settled in, you know, if you look at him, he's just staring at Trump, the back of his head. Maybe he was looking at the hole in his fluff or whatever he wears on his head or, but I just got this sense that he was trying to bore into his head and find some answers that up until now had eluded him. You know, Dan Quayle gets knocked for not being too smart and whatever else were his deficiencies. But the way he was looking at Donald Trump, it was like he really wanted to understand if, if this was real. And I think that's what I'm still trying to figure out, too, is this all real? I mean, Donald Trump has turned into this actual Manchurian candidate. It's, it's really beyond belief. And I heard somebody say today, as the walls close in, he, Trump becomes more dangerous. And it's just, you know, spends a little more time cleaning up dog messes to take my mind off that. But the score of the day goes to a guy named Eli Maestrel. He's the uh, executive director of Above the Law. And I saw him on a show, and he was just talking about how uh, disgusting it all is. And he was talking about the Republican senators need to step up. Like Susan Collins, he said, uh, going to come out and play Hamlet. She's very dramatic in her wanting to do the right things and suffering for the cause. I get that. He said something like he wished Marco Rubio would stop going on TV and pretending they have any principles. And it that's so true. I mean, it is time despite political expediency for the Republican senators especially to step up and put a check on this insanity. Come on Republicans. At least pretend you have principles.